Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. We mean weekly. As we said last week, this week, yesterday actually, was the last day of the Kaddish for Eliza Shalamis. Should be a good to better for everybody, our family, children, etc. Um, this week was Chav Bey Shvat. Yeretzer of the Rebetzin, which we touched upon last week as well. Um, today we got several long stories and talks about the Rebetzin. Unfortunately, I did not listen to them, and I don't believe I'm going to repeat any of them. Um, this Shabbos, Shabbos of Varachim, Chidish, Oder Aleph, Oderishin, called many different things. Um, also, as we said, it's other Rishain. This year will be two others, Mehat Hashem. And as it's a leap year, a leap year being that they need to establish a way of rejoining the solar and the lunar year therefore there is often the Chacham established on the Hebrew calendar an extra month an extra Hebrew month unlike the non-Jewish calendar that adds a day in February giving you February 29th. In the Hebrew calendar, we add an entire month. Okay, much better. And so this year, this is the Shkedish, other Rishen, Okay, you need to update your Skype, some of you apparently. Adrishin, Adrishin, the Rebbe says, Mishanichnas, Adr Marim Besimcha, it says, Mishanichnas brought down. And therefore, we, other enters, when we start other, we have to add, we have to increase now, Simcha and joy. And since there are 60 days of other, therefore the joy is not just. For 30 days, but rather for 60 days, and we increase each and every day. Unlike the flip side, where we spoke about Erev Rosh of being the happiest day of the year, because Mishanichlas Adam Adam Besimcha means as other comes in, we add Simcha. It does not give us a limit when we have to stop adding Simcha. And therefore, technically, we add Simcha until. We're told not to. And the only told stop doing that is Erev Rishchidosh of. However, when it comes to the other way around, Mishinichnas of Memaitin, Chassidim say, the Rebbe says, Mishinichnas of Memaitin, we minimize. How do we minimize it? We minimize it Besimcha. We minimize all our problems, all our issues. Besimcha with Simcha, happiness and joy. Simcha paid is gather, we know Simcha can break and go through any ga- barriers. Nothing can hold back Simcha. Today's Ayyem actually mentions about Tehillim, reading the words of Tehillim. doesn't say it, reading the words of Tehillim with joy, reading th- or reading the words of Tehillim with tears, but just reading the words of Tehillim also goes through every barrier possible and it can reach to the highest spheres ever possible to ascertain and so to Simcha joy is boundless joy has no number to it joy has no figure to it joy is something that we need to continue to persevere 
and to add on a constant basis to our lives. Why are we enjoying it? Why are we so happy? <coughs> what keeps us so happy? Let's be realistic. Being realistic and being a realist, you would say the opposite. <laughs> happy? <laughs> I can't be more depressed in the world. Where do I come off to be happy? This story, which I believe I've told before, took Sidim. Sidim of Rebbe Rashab. They lived in the city of Vitebsk, they were good friends. One was a Blaiv Posen and the other was a Shmuel Brin. They both made a nice living and they both gave charity. Blaiv was much richer than Shmuel. This one business like unemotional. Shmuel was warm, was friendly. And they would regularly go to the Babich to talk to the Reb Marash. Shortly before one of Reb Leib's visits, his friend of Shmuel was tricked in a dishonest business, and they wiped him out. He lost everything. Not only lost everything, but he ended up in great, tremendous debt. Rebbe came into the Rebbe for Yechidus. He discussed his own problems, got brachas, answers. And then he said, Oi, Rebbe, my poor friend of Shmuel Such a tragedy. Such a terrible story. He lost everything. Well, I know everything Hashem does is the right thing to do, but, but, Rechmanus, I don't have doubts in the Jewish's ways, but I have pity, please, give him a bracha. The Rebbe didn't answer. Shortly thereafter, Revle was struck with a tragedy, a fire broke out in the city of Vitebsk, consumed his entire store, his entire home, and one of his big, big warehouses. He had three big warehouses, one of them. Over 50,000 rubles were lost, with no insurance. Immediately he ran to Lubavitch, came into the Rebbe and began to cry and to weep uncontrollably. The Rebbe looked at him silently and then quietly said when Rebbe Shmuel Brin lost everything you crept, you quetched, but you didn't shed a tear. Not only that, you even said no, the Eibishter has his ways. I understand and I won't question the Eibishter. When you lost a drop in the bucket compared to him Listen to your hysteria. Listen to how terrible you feel. It looks like you, in your case, the word I and he are two separate worlds. That's all the Rebbe said. She was like a bomb on Rebbe's head. He backed out of the Rebbe's room. And was just like a shell. He couldn't. He couldn't function. There was nothing he could do. He was a chassid. But three days, three days of meditation, did he finally realize? Came to the realization <coughs> as to what the Rebbe's message was to him. How lopsided and selfish. His life was. 
And again, he asked for a yechidus, private audience with the Rebbe. But when he came in, he didn't say a word. The Rebbe looked at him and said, Leib, taught us, if a person does not suffer when he hears bad news about his fellow man, or worse yet, he justifies the bad news, he draws that bad thing on himself as well. But a person who genuinely feels bad when his friend suffers will be rewarded in the end. And this goes to everything. This is a teaching of Hashem in today's day and age more so. Because many people hear misfortunes of other people. A good piece of Lashon Hara about another person. Something bad the person might have done or might have said. And people thrive with it. And people live with it. And people put it up wherever they can. Let everybody know it. And they're proud to to laugh and to scorn and to put down the person. Rather than feeling bad that this person went and did whatever they did. Feeling bad that this person is suffering. Feeling bad for his fellow Jew. This is unfortunately the way of the world. And you need to reach to achieve the level of a chassid of the Vashem to be able to overcome such feelings and to ultimately cash in on your reward. The Rebbe said, go home. Take every penny you have at home. It should be about 3,000 ruble. And give it to the Shmuel Brin. Give it to him as a gemach. Interest-free. Whenever he can, he should pay you back. Make sure you do it with simcha, with joy. Then go to Moscow and buy merchandise to sell. You will double your losses. Leib went back to Vitebsk, took all the cash he had in his house, and it was exactly like the Rebbe said, 3,000. But his disappointment, he came to Shmuel, and Shmuel was not home. And his wife said, I don't know where he is and when he's coming back. She tried to text him, but nothing was working. So every day for two weeks, Leib was getting desperate. He wanted to travel to Moscow, like the Rebbe said, as soon as possible. But Shmu was nowhere to be found. Shabbos comes, and all of a sudden, the Shmuel at the Shalom Aleichem, he looked like he won a million ruble. So happy, so simcha. He asked, where, where were you? He said he was by the Rebbe, and he even heard a maimah by the Rebbe, and he wants to chazer a maimah from the Rebbe. And he chazered the maimah from the Rebbe with such joy, with such simcha. It was so beautiful. It was so, so beautiful. And nothing. He waited, and he couldn't take. Not couldn't take Hashem, but the Rebbe Pashut felt now embarrassed. The simcha on this man's face, who was wiped out, has nothing. He only has debt now. It's so full of optimism and joy. After Shabbos, Rebbe went to Shmuel's house and gave him his loan, to give him his loan. Before he could open his mouth, Shmuel said, Herzog, my kind, the fire that ruined so many things of yours, don't worry, Rebbe. Says, After a fire, one becomes rich. I'm sure Hashem will repay you for your loss a hundredfold. Rebbe couldn't contain himself. Tell me, Shmuel, where have you been? Except for Lubavitch. You made all your money back? Is that why you're so happy? Ah, Shmuel replied, No, I'll tell you what happened. I lost all my money. I became very, very depressed. I considered going to work for somebody. Forget business is business. Then I got sick for two weeks, for a few weeks. Which made me feel even worse. 
I was starting to get better. And I had a visit from a Yid, teacher in the city of Aliz. Said he was in the Bavich, and the Rebbe told me told him to visit me. The Rebbe said, I should tell you to stop thinking foolish and sad thoughts, and your mind should rule your heart and make it happy, not your heart making your mind sad. No, that's such advice. As soon as I felt better, I borrowed enough money, traveled to Lubavitch. And I asked the Rebbe's advice, and he congratulated me that I was able to do, to think positive. So I should go to Riga, buy Scheda, it's already loaded on rafts, on the river, and try to sell it elsewhere. And I did, I went to Riga, and I found good choice Scheda. Good goods, really good goods. <laughs> but the seller wanted 3,000 rubles and no credit. So I came home to Vitebsk to wait. And a small miracle happened. I was going on the train to Vitebsk and someone was on his way to visit me and he told me two big businessmen in Smolensk heard about me and wanted to sit down with me to iron out a business issue. And they're going to pay. So I went on the train to Smolensk instead and Baruch Hashem after a few days making peace they paid me 300 ruble. No, it's not exactly what I'm looking for. But I saw that Rebbe's bracha was starting to come into fruition. At least I had money now to bring home. I had money to give my family. Somebody at the door. At least I had money to give my family now. Anyway, the Leib said to him, Givaldik, he took out of his pocket 3,000 rubles, said, Dohasta, exactly the 3,000 rubles you need, go do the business, when you can, you'll pay me back. Shmuel said nothing doing. I'm not taking your last penny. This must be the last cash you have in your house. There's no way I could take this away from you. And the said that Rebbe told me to give you this money. <laughs> Shmuel says, the Rebbe told you to offer the money. The Rebbe didn't tell me to take it. Finally, Rebbe traveled to the Rebbe. He went to the Lubavitch. He took the money, put it in an envelope, addressed it to Rebbe Shmuel with a note. I'm sending you 3,000 rubles to be repaid in full, successful business enterprise and sent it back to Rav Leib. With Rav Leib. The Rebbe sent it back now. Shmuel accepted the loan, headed to Riga, and Rav Leib was now free to travel to Moscow and do his work over there like the Rebbe said. Unexpectedly, the businessman in Moscow gave Rav Leib unlimited credit. Within a year, he is twice as rich as he was before the fire. And the Rebbe said, and Rav Shmuel succeeded fantastically in Riga, and no time repaid his chavis, and was on his way to becoming also richer than ever. Simcha. Simcha amitis vashlema. True joy. Simcha is paid together. You didn't bring batteries. Not funny. Yeah. It's running out. Nowhere to go. Next door. Next door. The grocery doesn't have. That's how I went last week to try to buy. They don't have. They don't have batteries. Um, let's just hope it gets through the whole shame. Can we go find way here? There's nowhere to find. Everybody's closed. Put the green sword on the block. Hmm? On Troy Avenue. Should you get back here? It'll be over. Chedish other is coming, and therefore we need to increase our joy. Chedish is two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Again, double joy.
Monday being Arab Rishchidosh, Sunday we're going to the oil. Sunday night, Sunday evening, 4 o'clock actually. So that we'll stay there till after Shkia, stay there after this month, so we'll be there for Arab Rishchidosh, some people like to go a little earlier, they don't want to go so late at night, so therefore we made it up at 4 o'clock. Anybody like to join? You're more than welcome. Basically the group is for women, but we don't send anybody away. A parsha, a parsha's mishpatim. 53 mitzvahs. It's a lot of stories, a lot of things to talk about. From becoming a slave to the goring ox to the loaded ox to the person that kills by accident. Taylor tells us, Kisikna Eved Ivri, you will purchase, as you will purchase an Eved Ivri, Sheishonim Yaved Uvashvi Yetzelachov Shechinam. Six years he shall work, and the seventh he shall go out to freedom without charge. Shmeis, chapter 21, verse 1, Perichofalov Posikalov. Does he work a full six years? No, he does not work a full six years. He works till Shemitah, and Shemitah you have to let him free. This portion of Mishpatim, which immediately follows the Torah's account of Har Sinai, Mishpatim comes after Yisrael, which talks about Matan Torah, tells us a story, tells us a law. A thief, Rahman al-Itzlan, was sold into slavery, because he cannot repay what he stole. And he worked for six years. He has to work, he has to work it off. This law, ultimately the terror sets the tone for what really the Jews faced on Sinai. The basis of Tater of keeping mitzvahs and learning Torah is Kabbalah's El. Submitting to God's kingship and authority. Once we choose to be Hashem's subjects, then we can serve Him. And we obey His commands. We do what we have to. However, by Sinai they were shown that God, Shemuel Akim, and there's no one else. So obviously the devotion to God at that point, <laughs> from the awesome revelation itself, is a foundation of free-willed acceptance of God's kingship so much easier to accept. When the true Kabbalah's El come into effect, only after. When they didn't stand in God's presence, they weren't standing by Ahar Sinai, they didn't have the revelations. But with the same freedom, that we should submit to God's authority, came the freedom that in Rahman al-Tzam we could ignore or reject it. So therefore, immediately after Matan Teda, what does the Teda give us? Another Pasha. All the bitter ends of a thief. The laws of the bitter end of a thief. The furthest a person can wander from what they just heard on Sinai is Gneva, becoming a thief. 
if you're keeping score at home, Sechus Baba Kamas, 79, side 2, Ayin Tes Amid Beis. The Imara explains that a person that steals covertly, he comes in at night, under the cover of the night, is worse than someone who steals in the open. The one that steals in the open doesn't care who sees him. Man sees him, a woman sees him, there's witnesses, he doesn't care. So therefore he has no shame. He has no shame equally for man or for God. When a man comes at night to steal, he, under the cover of darkness, he thinks he's hiding from man, he's hiding from God as well. And therefore he's transgressing this, this will of God. So what is he epitomizing? He's epitomizing Prikas El, he's throwing off the entire yoke of heaven. So therefore he's immediately warned about the extreme punishment of a thief so that he could prevent this pitfall of what happened after Matan on Har Sinai and instead Rahman al-Sang going in the opposite direction. The guy serves for six years. Okay, you can go free and he says, No! The Pasik tells us, chapter 21, verse 5 and 6, Chafalaf The servant says, I am fond of my master. And the man was not married before, and therefore he was given a Shifcha Kenanis. He was given a woman, a wife. And he had children with her. Where is that? And he says, I love my master. Give me the phone. And my wife. And my son. And I don't want to leave. I don't want to go out. Tells us the Tata. Hello. Okay. Okay, thank you. Tells us the Tata, Verotza Adenavis Oznaiba Matseya Vavodele Elam. His master shall pierce his ear with an awl. Say, like a. Piercing? No, it's like a screw, like a nail they bang through the ear. And he'll serve him forever. The forever is also not forever, of course, it goes to Yevil. I was by a bridge this week and they asked me to speak and I was really, believe it or not, caught off guard, I was speechless. Uh, what am I going to say about a bris? But such a, such a fool, rich parsha, I can't be so off. I don't really have to prepare for hours on end to prepare for a speech by a, by a bris. It's not a bar mitzvah, it's not under a chuppah. So I opened the Chumash, the first Basak that smacked me in the face. So I opened, I said the story, the famous story I've told probably a dozen times. Little Moishala lived in a shtetl. Perhaps you don't know what a shtetl is. The shtetl could have been three square blocks. And in there was businesses and houses and shuls and everything. It could have been one square block. And everybody knew everybody in the shtetl. There was no such thing as this guy. This, this, everybody. 
everybody bought from this one to sell to this one. You lived all the money, the 42 ruble in the whole statli used to revolve. You used to buy eggs and chicken, whatever you bought from the guy, and then he would run with the 42 ruble that he just earned, and he'd go buy it something else from somebody else. And this would go round and round and round and round, and this is how the 42 ruble survived the whole statli. So everybody knew each other in the statli. So little Maishala grew up in the shtetl, and everybody knew Maishala. He's a nice little boy. But yeah, Maishala grew up, and he decided he wants to become a professional something, and he goes out to the university, and he becomes a professional doctor. And he was a Yiddish capital, so he was a good doctor. But it's time to give back to the shtetl, as we say. you got to give back to where you grew up. He opened the practice in the shtetl. At this point in time, the shtetl was a little bigger, the population was larger, so there was room for a practice for a doctor. <laughs> Unfortunately, everybody looked at him and saw Moshe. Nobody saw Dr. Moshe. Everybody saw Moshe. Now, if you're looking at Moshe, how do you go to Moshe when your, your hand hurts, when your foot hurts? When this cracks and this cracks, Moshele can't help me. That is Moshele. And Moshele was pretty, pretty upset. Because Moshele knew, I'm a good doctor, I know my stuff. Why would people not want to use me? And finally, Moshele did what all good Jews do. He went to seek advice by Das Torah by the Rav. And he came to the rabbi in the city and he told him his dilemma. He says, Rabbi, I don't know what to do. I'm a good doctor, but everybody still thinks I'm Moshele. They don't have confidence in me. So the Rav smiled and said, Moshele, let me give you a piece of advice. you got to look like a doctor. He says, I wear a white coat. I act like a stethoscope always. And he says, no, no, no. you got to look like a doctor, Moshele. When you walk in the street, never walk. You must always run. You must always look like you're getting, you got to get somewhere quick. And you must keep looking at your watch as if you're late for an appointment. Someone stops you in the street. I can't talk. I've got to get. If someone calls for an appointment, say, I'm sorry. There's no appointments for two weeks. But it's very, I, I can't sleep at night. Okay, come next week. But Moshe, doctor, please, I, okay, you know what, I'll squeeze you in the afternoon tomorrow. I won't be able to survive, I don't know how, but oh, you know what, I'll stay an extra hour tonight, come tonight. And this is how you have to make your appointments. And people will see, and you'll see. And Kachava, Das Torah prevailed. Excuse me, Moshe started running in the street looking at his watch. People try to stop him, he says, I can't talk now. People called for appointments, he pushed them off. And the people said, wow, he's really busy. He must be a real good doctor. And so Moshele's practice came into fruition and grew in leaps and bounds. One day he said, Moshele is running in the streets, looking at his watch, I left, he's rushing. And the Rav stops him and says, I got to talk to you. He looks at his watch and says, Rebbe, I gotta run. And the Rav grabs him by his ear and says, Mashallah, I know where you're running, Tatl. <laughs> With me, for me, you can't run. <coughs> so here they take him by the ear and they pierce, so I said, they pierce the child. We don't want the child to grow up and we should have to grab him by his ear and say, Listen to me, my kind. You have to listen what you have to do. But rather, and this is the epitome of what we spoke just now, Kabbalah's Eil, Keshem Shenichlas Lebris Kenyakonis Leteira Olechupalamaisim Tevim. Just like when he came to the Bris, he asked no questions. He came to the Bris, you carried him in, you put him on the Sandik, you gave him his Bris. He did the mitzvah mila without a, hic- a hiccup. He didn't hesitate a second. Just like he did that, that's how he should go to Tera. He should go to Chupa. He should grow everywhere, always, with complete Kabbalah's ill. Like that. And that's what, we spoke, that's what I spoke about by the Briz. 
I might have taken an extra few minutes on that one. But not much more. Which made people very happy. They didn't have to put up with a long, winded speech by Bris. So why the ear? The Yemada Kedushin, if you keep your score at home, Chavbez Amabez, 22, side 2, explains that the Almighty said, Aizen, this ear, which heard my voice on Sinai, when I proclaimed, Ki li Yisrael avodim, that the Jews are my slaves, they're slaves to me, Avodaihem, they're my servants, Filoi avde avodim, and not servants of other servants. And yet this person was hearing that, he heard that on Sinai, because everyone was by Sinai. And after hearing that, he says, now, I want a master, another master? Pierce that ear. Question is a very simple one. We know, one of the revelations on Har Sinai, is they heard the lightning and saw the thunder. They saw the sounds. Vayar Yisrael Zakeles. Back in Shemais, chapter 20, verse 15, Chof Tezvov. So why the ear and not the eyes? The revelation of God was seen by the eyes. But the fact is, we're not blaming the slave for his past, for not living up to his potential now. Not living up to his potential now, you know. We're not giving him, not punishing him for the past, punishing him because he didn't live up to the potential for now. What he could do now, that's what he should be doing. What he could accomplish now is what he should be striving to do. And that is the difference between hearing and seeing. In order for the Jewish people to freely choose to be God's subjects, The revelation that they saw in Hasinai did not continue after giving the Tera. And therefore, nobody is at fault. They didn't have the clarity about the godly purpose in this world. They didn't feel like they felt when they were under Hasinai. So, our ability to hear, which is to mentally grasp even things we can't see, that was not affected. Why was God concealed by Hasinai? So we should discover Him on our own. We should choose to become subjects of God. Even when we don't see God in front of us. And therefore the sense of hearing godliness even not in front of God when you can't see him physically, that sense is still sound. So this thief that wants to stay on more than his six years is punished for his failure to hear, to realize B'nai Yisrael avodaihem, they're my slaves. And even though this was not blatantly obvious on Sinai. But if he would listen, he'd understand that to be a servant to another servant is not where a Jew belongs. You went already? And mommy?
And ultimately, towards the end of the parasha, it says, Vavadetem es Hashem Elokeichem, and you will serve, you shall worship Hashem your God. This is chapter 23, verses 25 through 27. And the David to blesses us. There will be no bereaved or barren woman in your land, and I will fill the numbers of your days. Many people face different struggles when it comes to the worship of God. So firstly, the blessing, there will be no bereaved or barren women. The person strives to serve God with his most inner passion and devotion. But sometimes you feel depleted, or as Terry uses the words, bereaved or barren. So to say that the passion that he cultivated from within himself dissipated. It was short-lived. And therefore it did not bear any fruits. Where? Be'artzecho. In your land. And the reason that we hint the words that it should not be okar it should not be mashkelo vakara is because of the word be'artzecha in your land. Artzecha also comes from the word rotzoin, your wish or desire. And therefore, we can terp- interpret the word be'artzecha due to your wishes, meaning due to your personal satisfaction that you derive from your worship to God, of God, so therefore this fulfillment, the feelings of fulfillment, that a person has for his divine service, to become defined by a degree to which it makes him feel blessed, happy and content. Sometimes instead of being so devout, he chooses between the aspects of divine service the ones that he relates to, the divine services, and the ones that he doesn't relate to. Obviously, genuine feelings of unconditional love and commitment to God cannot thrive in such an environment. It's going to be lacking. So therefore, says God, I will fill the number of your days. How do we overcome this? What's the whole key to overcome this pitfall? By internalizing the message found at the end of the Pasuk. I will fill the number of your days. The days that are allotted to a person in this world are numbered. God gives each person precisely enough time to fulfill that purpose for for which he was created. And therefore, every passing moment that is not fully utilized, the service of God, the mission of God that God gave the individual to fulfill, is being sabotaged. So one who takes this message to heart will quickly abandon his search for satisfaction and achievement and he will devote every moment to fulfilling his godly mission. And he will be able to harp the feelings of achievement and his eternal relationship with God will flourish, will thrive. The beginning of this month as well started with Dalit Shvat. The yard side of the Babasali, the Mishra of 
And it was a Wednesday night, so I devoted a lot of time to this year with stories of, Rabbi, of the Baba Sali. But another typical example of what we just discussed, of how one needs to be totally enveloped and devoted to God's service, is another story of the Baba Sali. Babasali once took to travel to a town, a distant town. It was a journey, it wasn't a simple one. When he arrived in the town, immediately went to the shul. Mm-hmm. Everybody heard the holy Babasali was there. They came to the shul and he spoke. And he spoke and he spoke. He spoke simple words of Tehra, he spoke Kabbalistic words of Tehra. He spoke very, very deep insights, and he spoke for things for the layman to understand. He spoke for several hours. When he finished, everybody stood out of their cheretz, and the first one that came to him was the Rasha Kol, a very wealthy man. And he asked him, please, honor me, With your presence, I would like to host you. But Vasali did not answer. You looking for the cylinder? Reishmem, in the back. Vasali didn't answer. He just looked, looked and looked, and finally said, "I want to go to the mikveh here." I'm tired, I want to go to rest, but before I go anywhere mm-hmm. to eat or to rest, I want to see the mikveh. Obviously, apparently, this is a sore subject. And everybody froze. Nobody knew what to say. Because the fact was, there was no mikveh viable, no usable mikveh in the town. The nearest mikvah was an hour journey away. So when a woman needed to go to the mikvah, they had to travel for an hour. But again, the Baba Salih repeated himself, I want to see the mikvah. And finally, someone stepped forward and said, the mikvah is in this array. It has not been used in 15 years. It rains very rarely here because there's no rainwater. Mikveh is not. We don't use it. Rabbi Sali was very, very disturbed. He said, take me there. And so this entire entourage follows the Baba Sali and they come to the site of the Mikveh. Embarrassingly, they opened the door and it was filthy and it was undergrown with, with weeds what not? It was disgusting. Immediately the Babasali stepped outside, took off his outer coat, which is usually a gold or something very, fl- not flamboyant or flashy, but it was his style of color. He took off his coat, and he went back inside, rolled up his sleeves and started to clean up. Of course, the Babasali started, everybody jumped inside the head can't let him do it himself and everybody, the entire community started cleaning and within hours the place was spotless it was gorgeous now what? it's worthless, there's no water Baba Sali came out and he raised up his hands to heaven and said we did all we can your turn Lo and behold, clouds started to form. A torrential downfall started to pour. And the place was flooding, including the mikveh. And within an hour, the mikveh was full. Mikveh was full, the rain stopped. People were overjoyed. <laughs> We had an aptitude test this week. We asked a few people. 
someone said that they had a insane asylum. So, so how do you decipher if a person's crazy or not? Should I ask you the question he asked? Okay, I'll tell you. He said, we fill up a bathtub with water. And we give the person a choice. A spoon, a cup, or a bucket to empty the bathtub. How would you empty the bathtub? Okay, what bed would you like? A window bed or a door bed? Because the normal person pulls out the plug. Oh, right. There's a bathtub. Oh, bathtub, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the normal person will bother the plug. So the other people would choose, anyone that would choose one of the three things obviously belonged in an insane asylum. That was the aptitude test. Anyway, um, the Babasali looked at the mikveh and said, quickly, empty the mikveh. <laughs> you imagine the shock on everybody's faces. But, 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 but we finally had a miraculous rain. How would we, how would we replenish it? The Babasali said that you have leading from your roof to the mikveh metal pipes. According to the Ayish, it's not kosher. The water is maim shuvim. The water needs to come down in anything but metal. Empty the mikveh because the water is not kosher. So immediately they got buckets, everyone got buckets from the house. There was no plug to pull, obviously. And they emptied the mikveh to the ground. And now the Babasali said, change all the piping. So they took out the metal pipes, they put it in plastic, or they put it in wood, to channel in the water to the mikveh. Now the Babasali turned his eyes to heaven again and said, We did according to your psagdin. It was a puzzle of mikveh, according to you. And obviously the mikveh needs to be kosher. So therefore, since we sacrificed the only water, the only rain that we've seen here for months, because we needed to keep your opinion holy, please beseech up above in heaven and make sure the mikveh gets refilled. And lo and behold, again, clouds formed, and once again there was rain, and the mikveh refilled. Hence we see the true devotion, the true Kabbalah sale, that causes, and that brings about, the happening of a mitzvah. Pasha starts off And the famous Rashi Ve'ele HaMeshpatim HaShetosun Lefneim Kisik Nevedivri says Ve'ele Mesif Ala Rishenim HaRishenim Sinai Afeile Mesinai Ve'ele The word with the Vav in the beginning of the word means that it's a continuation from the prior Pasha Since the prior Pasha was said by HaSinai Therefore, as a continuation, this parsha also was said by Sinai. So, why start with the din of Eved Ivri? Out of all the dinim in the Teda, out of all the 53 dinim in this parsha, why start with an Eved Ivri? with the Jewish slave. And this goes back in what we discussed before, that by Matantera, the Jews became servants to God. They were freed from any other type of service. Not only a physical master, but also the Ishtabdus of Elam Hazeh. Also those that become slaves to the society, 
For a servant of God needs to be meshuchrer, legamri from mikol v'kol, totally freed from everything else, in order to be totally clear and clear-minded, clear-hearted to serve God at every time and situation. So therefore the first din after Matan Tera is Evadivri, the servant, the Jewish servant, to teach us that the servant, the true servant of God, Evadivri Ayyidishiknecht, needs to be totally devoted and wants to derive to give pleasure only things that are bond with God. And he doesn't need to say, I love my master, my wife, my children, which refers to the physical world, but rather everything, every aspect of the person needs to be tied with God Himself. And a person that says, I love my master, referring to who knows what, they do not go free. Because they want to tie themselves in with worldly matters. And therefore, as we said, Nirtza, and Hasinai, I told you, you're my servants, like we said before. And now you're looking to buy yourself another master. And if you keep your score at home, you'll find this, as we said before, in Kedushan 22, side 2. The Alter Rebbe says, Eila Mishpatim Ashitasim Lifneim, Ve'eila Mishpatim Ashitasim Lifneim. Lifneim means to the pnimius, to their total innards. Which means to say that a person needs to continue with the knowledge of godliness in the pnimius of Jews. In a way that is highest level of any soul. Now the truth is, mishpatim are mitzvahs that a person understands. And the worldly world can tell us what they're all about. Not like the chukim. The mitzvahs that don't have a, a tower knowledge or reason. So it's not understood the purish of both of them. That the actual kavana, the actual intention to reveal the knowledge of godliness within the premius of the soul, by chukim, where we don't understand them, Makes sense. You need to reveal godliness. The premium and the of a Jew. But mitzvahs, mishpatim, they understood by themselves. And because you're coming to Mekayim, then you don't have to reveal these things. So then what is it needed for? Why mishpatim? Therefore we can understand now what Razal says, Ve'ele, as we said before, this goes back to what it said before. We said in Pashat Yisrael that also these mitzvahs, the mishpatim, were given in Hasinai also with the kailei subrakim. Just like the words are neichi and the words and the Pasuk comes to teach us that the kiyam and mitzvahs of these mishpatim are not in order that we should understand the seichel of the person, but only rather because this is how God commanded it to us. Going back to the concept of Kabbalah's El. And therefore, Dafka by Elam Ishpatim it says, Tosim Lifneim, put it before them within them. This is what Matantera brought about. Not just the Chukim and the Edis. That we need to be Mekayim from the Kayach and Hashemah to attach ourselves to God, but Mishpatim themselves. Mitzvahs that we understand, mitzvahs that make sense to us. We need to be Mekayim them, and we need to do them for the Kayach of Hashem. And therefore, 
as we go into Rishchidosh, other Shabbos Varchim, other, we look for the Simcha, Hamitis Vashlemus, which is the true Simcha, the ultimate Simcha of Mashiach Tetkenu, and therefore this Shabbos we should hear these Mishpatim in Yerushalayim, Yerakedesh, Shabbat Shalom to all.